but it's honestly comparison is really the enemy of joy um and i wish i i i've i would be i'll be kinder to myself because the amount of times i was just like oh it must be me because everyone else is sorted and i'm just standing here like what's happening (laughs) oh child podcast where we'll be talking about everything design related shed some light on our personal experiences and help you in understanding the architectural realm you're here with me Besma, and today we'll be talking about the transition and journey from part one to part two and what is to be expected during your time undertaking part two i'm here with amanda bethany adonai and today we have a special guest and great friend of mine and us all, Delphina, who will be blessing us all with her wisdom. And with that being said, Delphina, please introduce yourself. Hi everyone, my name is Delphina and I'm currently studying at Oxford Brooks. I've done my part one at Oxford Brooks and I'm currently studying my part two. Uh, this is my second year. Last year I've di- I did international regeneration and this year I'm doing the S6, um, which is basically how London will look like in 2050. So that should be interesting. Yay! Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank my mama for this award. <laughs> like, thank you, Delphina, for your beautiful introduction. We love to see it. Thank you guys for having me. So I wanted to start off with part one and personally my experience of stepping out of the bubble, part one architectural, I found it quite nerve-wracking and I really wasn't sure what to fully expect. Um, I quickly realised that it was much more difficult to find a part one architectural assistant role than I anticipated. So yeah, how was it for you? Um, so I actually had a similar experience um, applying for part one architectural assistant roles. In my first couple of months, I had like zero responses and I was searching for the jobs and then I was fresh out of uni. So I was just like so confident that I was going to get something soon. And there's also the pressure of being at home and wanting to get on with your life, you know. So um, I was just applying for jobs in London. I was not even getting any responses. I'd say thank you uh, for your submission, we regret to inform you, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I decided why not expand the search outside London because it's obviously not working out for me. And um, I, I honestly, at that point, I was just like, I need to do something. I'm not really used to not doing anything, just sitting at home and I need to be more productive. So um, that's when I start searching for jobs outside London, not too far, something that I could commute as well. And um, that's when I got a job um, just outside London. Yes, it was definitely nerve wracking. The interview process can be very frightening. I remember I was just like, (laughs) I was just shaking all the way, especially when you have your portfolio looks differently than majority of the students and you're aware with that, uh, you're, you're aware about that. Um, most of my drawings were hand drawings, so they wouldn't really come across online. And I believe that's one of the main reasons why um, I wasn't really successful um, finding a job in London. But it could be other factors, you know. Um, I really don't know. I also had no experience. 
as an architectural assistant, most students wouldn't have as well. But yes, so only when I started to expand my search a little bit outside London, looking at other options, is when I came across something else. That it's not really, it wasn't really ideal at the time for me, but I just thought, you know, let me just get out of the house, try something new. Why not? No, for sure. Like, I can definitely relate with, like, rejections and um and personally like I find interviews so like scary and I think like my first interview was just really funny because I definitely wasn't like as prepared I was it was probably like it was a good interview but I (laughs) what happened was that because my portfolio was digital so our unit was a like we did our entire portfolio digitally like as in we didn't print it out at the end of the year um so I didn't have like a printed portfolio ready and then I and then I realized and I thought that maybe I could present it on my laptop and you know go through it but they like then I emailed them to double check and they told me that I needed it printed out so I went on this panic Mm -hmm. mode of like I went literally to the nearest library and printed it out and it was bad quality (laughs) like girl the pixels pixels. it was like literally like someone like a four oh my god it was crazy so I got there and I was like you know what I'm just gonna have to firm it I'm just gonna have to just you know do as best I can and um I mean to be honest like that really did let me down I definitely like from there like then started to try and make a portfolio that was like obviously a physical one and a bit more condensed and I would be able to go through it and like talk about it but I had like so many different like interviews like there was one where to be honest it was it was I, I walked out of it quite like um disappointed uh, about like from the from the interviewers in particular because I mean they were like it was all like three middle-aged men one was on his phone texting and I know it's, it's so bad, it's so bad. like it was so hard they were asking me questions like as if I wasn't entry level like as in certain questions like do you know how to use this like software which I, I don't even remember the name of it anymore they were just saying to me like oh did you what did you get for your final like project what was the mark and I'm thinking like but I I got a first overall like surely you'd think that I did really well in the project or not like I don't understand like and I walked out of it like you know what if they like give me an offer I would reject it like I would not want to be working under those kind of people and it makes you realize that some people actually just want you to work for them um, to be the kind of person that they, that's where they want someone that prob- probably has some experience. So then they don't have to like mentor you and help you. Training. That made me exactly. And oh that, my God. That's what made me realize, you know what, like I actually need to do a lot of research on like who I'm applying for. And to be honest, it was all an experience at the end of the day. Like this past year was a, like, I learned a lot about like the industry and, also about like I mean there was there were some people that are just amazing like as in there was another interview that was really great and I was close to getting in but didn't get in but you know it's a competitive like industry as it is and they were just super nice like they were like helping me pack up and they were like we're just having a little small talk here and there and it just showed me like just gave me a different like understanding of like how the people as in you know like you you get this understanding when you walk out of like um 
studying architecture, you think that everyone's just going to be sort of like welcoming and you're just not like that. And um, that's a harsh reality, but I definitely learned a lot from that. But what sort of tips from your experience could you give to those who have freshly graduated from part one about navigating towards part two? You know, the lessons that you've learned and what did you know you knew beforehand? (laughs) The list, um, it's long because finishing the three years of architecture itself is such an achievement, you know, to your financial (laughs) your stability financial stability your mental stability like everything is just all kind of misplaced and you feel like you'll have to find yourself again and also coming out of part one with zero connections uh, I don't want to obviously scare anyone out there because not everyone's the same but it's definitely hard to have zero connections in the industry I remember just thinking oh um my family barely understands what architecture is uh don't really have anyone to talk to i don't have it's the i think the word that's really coming to my mind is mentorship i would just wish i'll have someone there that could tell me um not exactly what to do but how i can navigate this industry because you really have um, no experience no experience coming out of university and I do think if you're for example doing other courses for example business they kind of put you in that mindset and setting earlier on before you graduate but with architecture is it's just barrier after barrier like huge milestone when you graduate and then you just like dropped in the world with like nothing and no one and it can be quite terrifying but um I wish I knew the placement, the year out or job placement would be, you wouldn't be straightforward. I mean, you you want to remain optimistic, but at the same time, you want to be realistic and notice this is the market you're going in. And I can't lie, there's obstacles if you're a girl, <laughs> there's obstacles yeah. if, if you're a minority, which I hate that word, but it's the truth, you know. I, I, I honestly wish that's, that's the reality um, at the moment. And I, I didn't, I was looking at everything with this like filter and I was like, oh my God, it's going to be great. Which obviously it, it can be great for most of the people. But if you're one of those people that you find yourself in a place where you don't know where to go, you don't know where to apply, you're not getting responses. I want you to know that's sometimes going to be your experience. Not everyone gets a job straight away and I wish I knew that was a possibility for me I wish I knew that sometimes it's really not the reflection of your work for undergraduate as well honestly you can have a spectacular portfolio and there's still things that wouldn't make from their perspective you wouldn't fit in the company when your work could be amazing you know and because we've worked in our projects for three years we kind of tend to have this emotional attachment to our work and think if I'm not getting any calls back if I'm not getting any emails back oh it's my fault so you're kind of be yourself up (laughs) but honestly um sometimes it's not it's nothing to do with you and that's the reality of it it can be a small a small detail which they don't think you're suitable but at the end of the day is really their perspective and you shouldn't put value on yourself because it's nothing because what's happening is not ideal and it's not how you want it to to go you know I definitely like 
I remember like getting rejections. You start to st- you start to doubt like how well you actually did like over those past three years of studying architecture. You just start to think, well, was I like was it good enough? Was it like all these doubts come creeping in? Yeah, and it's definitely. Like, and also because you see your work like so many times and you, you send it off to so many different people, that thrill that you had when you've completed it, like you don't feel that anymore. It's just kind of like, oh, it's something that I've done and maybe I need to do more. Maybe I need to, but it's like, we need to obviously, as we always say all the time on this podcast, is to trust your own source. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I feel like with yeah. whatever work you do, you can always twist it in a sense that would pique the the company's interest. You know, what I mean, architecture is such a massive, you know, massive industry. There's so much that you can be interested in, and to show that you have a certain interest in something is is worth it as well. Like we're entry, we have to realize that we're we're just starting out, and the main thing is that you have a passion, and from that passion, you can drive from it. As in moving on to, you know, applying to masters, I can understand that it's yeah. so different to applying for a part one role. How was your process of applying? Oh, um, actually, I just remember something else as well. It's um, it's so easy to compare yourself with other people. I mean, everyone does it, and you see everyone. You know, you see your friends from. They could be from the same class as you, getting into um the ideal type of situations that you wish you were in. And it's like comparison is really the enemy of joy. <laughs> and, and you're like, what am I doing wrong? Like I see everyone else doing this, going places, doing the, but I mean, people just allow you to see what they want you to see. You don't know how they got there. Like not to discredit them. I'm sure most of the people got that with their own merit, but it's, Honestly, comparison is really the enemy of joy. Um, And I wish I'd be kinder to myself because the amount of times I was just like, oh, it must be me because everyone else is sorted and I'm just standing here like, what's happening? (laughs) Oh, child. You have that job lined up from the day they were born. You don't even know. It's mad. Honestly, honestly, on the womb, they're already (laughs) prepared (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to do this architecture job um but uh, i mean everyone just needs i know everyone has their own past where you do wonder sometimes where it went wrong and then it's even worse because we must be like oh then you must my project because literally we're in the same class and this guy's doing this or this girl is doing that like why am i not there I wish I haven't done that to myself. It's, it really did not help. And I think it's also a lot of people actually have connections. Really, really helpful was if universities in general, I feel, should push us to apply for summer placements. I then realised after the summer of completing second year, I was like, oh, I should have probably went on a summer placement somewhere. If I did that, I could have like possibly like had a connection already with a certain mm. firm. And then so like, maybe my journey wouldn't have been that difficult but I mean this is the path that I've led on and you know from that like I've learned so much but I think it's so important if you're in second year now and towards actually start 
applying for like summer placements and start to build a connection with firms from early and it would make your journey much easier and I think possibly would help you tackle with like the intense competition that you will inevitably face as you come out from part one I'm not trying to scare you but that's just, that's the like the harsh reality honestly we've all been through it and I'm sure many people out there who have like would say the same if you look at the architectural education the way it's like set up it would be good if they actually I don't know maybe introduce placement for us once per week um, because I know like in the built environment um, department in Brooks if you look at people who do construction or real estate or something like that they did have like placement integrated into their course it would just be nice maybe to just have that maybe one day a week we go to an architectural firm I think it's so beneficial though because some people come out of uni not even ever have been on site they don't know what it's like to be on site which I think is just mad how can you study architecture and never have been to a construction site so I think I definitely agree with that like we should have some sort of placement or even just a visit to the studio do you know what I mean um so people get the the feel of what it's like to be not in practice but in that environment and they kind of like know what to look out for and know know what sort of teams they're looking for as well yeah Yeah. I 100% agree 100% like because I feel like what sets everyone apart like going on from what Mandy said like what sets you apart from everyone else is your personality like and if a firm sort of gauges onto like what sort of person you are and they would understand like what kind of person they would want in their firm they would gravitate to you it would kind of be like a mutual connection in that sense I obviously feel like also the transition to part two is a bit scary in itself but how was your application process to moving into part two and how did it like differ to applying for year in industry actually this is a, a really good question uh, there's like a couple ways of getting into masters or your part two so like technically you don't even have to work to study masters so i've known a couple of people that have skipped that bit they're like ah, i have all my love to work so um, let me just get this done like <laughs> and be out very so some people really um just prefer to have like a continuous education which i wouldn't recommend for your mental health but (laughs) you do you (laughs) like it's if that's something that you think would be ideal for your situation then um there's really no it's not really compulsory to um do a year out when you're just finishing part one so the way (laughs) i got into masters so i chose to remain at my um at the previous university that I was studying, so at St. Brooks. So technically, my year out was fourth, uh, fourth year of university, so I was still a student at St. Brooks. I had my student card. I could use the facilities like the library. I could have stayed um, in uni accommodation if I chose to work in Oxford, which now looking back, I don't know why I didn't choose that, but, you know, <laughs> we learn from our mistakes. <laughs> that would have been so much easier like in terms of the pressure that I felt of like staying at home moving back home and like just getting a job um one month like after I graduated that was my goal but obviously not everything happens when you plan to 
so um but i do recommend asking your university what is the process of a continuing student if you want to do your part two at the same university because there's different systems from different um, universities but with, what that means is um, your place is granted so you really don't have to reapply again when you're studying your part two you can either stay one year or two years in your work placement and then you do your part two. You can also do your part two at a different university. And if that's the case, you need to reapply. You need to resubmit your portfolio and it would be helpful if you added the work that you did in your year out. But again, it's not compulsory. So if you haven't worked in your year out, you can still apply for part two. And the process is really similar to part one if you're going to a different university that you wish to study. Now... If you don't have the attentions to do part two and then you'll most likely change your mind after one or two years, you can still do part two at the same university that you did undergraduate. And I know a few cases of that. And with that, it, it's not necessarily you get in straight away. They'll ask for, for example, a recommendation letter or to have like an interview. But for my head, it's a lot easier because they love returning students. And of course, there's also the path of applying for an apprenticeship, which it could be ideal for your situation as well. So there's re- really like a couple of different ways into getting to part two. Well, one of us got into masters this year. Congrats to you, Bethany. How is your application process like? Woo-hoo! How did you know you were ready? Build a tea. <laughs> so unlike Delphina, I decided to go to a completely different university. I wanted a completely new experience, um, a new city. I just kind of like exploring something new. Obviously, you begin by choosing your universities that you want to go to. And there were only two that I actually really wanted to go to. So I just, I'm just thankful that I actually got into one of them. And um, yeah, so <laughs> what I found out that I didn't really know before is that uh, unlike your part one, the majority of your universities that you apply for are not through UCAS. Um, you have to actually apply through the university website. So you have to apply to each one individually. And often there's a fee associated with this. So I know the fee for UCL was about £80. And that's just like, whoa, shock to the bank. Um, whereas some, <laughs> some of the other ones... Um, either you didn't have to pay a fee or it was around £30. So it just depends on the institution that you're applying to. And then um, Delphine was saying how you don't have to do work experience before you actually enter your master's. I didn't, so that's true. But there are some limitations on where you can apply to. Uh, You just have to check the wording because some will say experience is um, preferable. So that one is like, yeah, you can apply to, but I know some state you need to have nine months experience to apply here. But I feel like that's all changing now anyway because of COVID-19 and they've just let a large cohort of people um, just go straight from their undergrads. So even that's changing now. So it may not even go back to that in the future. Personal statement is slightly different in terms of the content that you have to put in it if you have to talk a bit about your experiences your interests context of the course all of those kind of things and what i found it's quite cool to like try and stand out because 
it's hard because you've always done architecture and for me I felt like I was at a disadvantage because I hadn't done my year out in practice and applying to quite a prestigious institution so I was like oh my gosh everyone's gonna have work experience what do I do what do I put on there so I thought of how I would actually kind of create a narrative through my personal statement and relate it to architecture so that's how I did mine and then you can be a bit more graphic with it Obviously not to the point where it's taken away from the actual words of the text, but that's what I did. Also, you need basically a transcript from your university, which has all of your part one grades. And then you need a recommendation letter from your tutor, which is something I had no idea about. And of course, your portfolio, which is the important part. And then each institution may vary in format. So this bit will go on to how did I know I was ready? Because the first uni I applied for, I was not ready. <laughs> And it showed in my portfolio and I felt it in my heart and that was evident because I didn't get accepted. But I think that's because it was a slightly earlier deadline and they wanted it in a specific format which was A4 portrait and I like landscape or square and I just couldn't fit it and it just everything looks so horribly graphically and I ran out of time and I was like oh my gosh I just need to submit I've already paid my application. My personal statement was solid but my portfolio definitely let me down and then the second time I just took more time to work on my portfolio kind of have a bit of everything um, to showcase my skills different media and I just made it a nice layout so I finally felt yes this is the one sometimes I feel like you'll feel it within yourself the initial plan was obviously to get my year out in practice and kind of follow on the steps as you kind of led to do so so I guess I kind of wanted to carry on with that trajectory because I could see myself just not getting any job. I was like, you know what, let me just move on to the next step, which I would be doing anyway, and see what comes out of it. So see if I get a job by that time whilst I'm applying in the process and just see where it leads me. And obviously I got a place and that's where I was hoping to be. So I guess, yeah, it was just trying not to be stagnant to always move forward there are other ways to do it I don't have to have my job this year to become an architect I can do my two years after my master's I was ready because I just knew I wanted to be registered and whatever the route was to get there I'll take it you know what I mean it's only when you kind of like when you step out of part one you're like okay I can I should be the one that's taking the reins like I should go at my own pace there are so many people in our year in particular that obviously they've gotten into industry and it can feel very daunting and just like oh like why am I not on that same path and it's like you never know like everyone's journey is different and there's so much you can do in between that year and maybe you could look other parts um of like you know like exploring your own creativity Delfina just wanted to ask you that I've, I've heard around that the from part two is that the gap between part one and part two is very big um how do they do <laughs> what kind of challenges do you face right from the start first of all I'd like to say for those people that have lied to me and said it was easier <laughs> I'm watching you right now and I wanted to tell you that you are a liar sir because it's not <laughs> I don't know like people are telling me oh my god it's oh, it's such a breeze compared to undergraduate it's real like like don't let anyone sort you those dreams. oh my god oh my god the people have looked me in the eye and told me lies like that 
I know that that's a lie. I've only been here one week. Uh, you can just tell the tone is completely different. It's not a joke. Oh man, <laughs> lies, all lies. Luckily, I'm here to spill the tea because <laughs> I can't lie to these people. You're yeah, like, like people listening to this are innocent. I can't give them hope. I'm, j- I'm joking. I'm joking. It's not that bad. Um, is, um, to be honest, it's a different, completely experience in a sense where uh, no one re- will really tell you what to do, like, at all. They'll, like, give you the tools, throw some tips at you, and they're like, all right, all right I hope it sticks. <laughs> so, like, from my experience, tutors really don't tend to get too involved with this design process. They're more hands-on on like site analysis, how your design progresses. They're, it's the storytelling of the whole thing. It's much more important than the end um, kind of project. And the end project, they don't really tend to fuss on small things like windows and doors. Obviously, the normal regulations have to be there, but it's just like more of a... Um, theory-based like design projects where yeah you know how in undergraduate we will have like a hundred doors and we just hope people were fit enough to climb those and like yeah <laughs> like in honestly masters it's like those things cannot run <laughs> everything has to be there for a reason you explain me how these people are going to get there how they're going to get there if it's age appropriate if if the whole context of the building is respecting the building surrounding first semester for me it was like just theory like no design whatsoever and i know it can be different around other universities but uh, overall i've heard that it's much more theory based than actual just like design driven if that makes sense like everything has to have a purpose um so for example in undergraduate would have units and in my opinion those units tend to be more suggestive so yeah suggestive and <laughs> masters there's like buses that's not gonna run so for example first year i did international regeneration and it's like looking at old buildings trying to restore them like but watch out we don't want to gentrify the area so like a lot of aspects to be considered and yeah i think it's much more realistic than just oh use a little bit of your imagination we'll make it work there's like no like explain to me where's the fire exit (laughs) but like not to be scary that's why uh, first, semester, first semester tends to be more theory-based because they will teach you through that, they'll walk you through that, how to do it for your design on the second semester. But like, I was just like, oh my God, I haven't done any design whatsoever for like a year and then I don't know how to do this. And all I've been doing is writing essays. How am I going to do that? But I know it's just got to keep it pushing. <laughs> It really just got to keep it pushing, but it will depend on your university. But it's definitely, whenever you go, it's definitely more theory-based um, design project. So from my understanding, part one is more like you're actually in la-la land and using your imagination. And then part two is like, this is how to actually be an architect. <laughs> yeah that's it it's like oh my god the toilet is small like how's people supposed to use that like you're telling me a hundred people are going to use one toilet (laughs) you're wrong (laughs) 
<laughs> Underground sound like we were designing buildings out of Lego. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to throw shade, but <laughs> we've been there, we've done that. <laughs> we actually got away with so much, not gonna lie. Yeah, I did some of our projects and I'm like, whoa, this is a lot of you know, like <laughs> why did I do you really think you would yeah, we we're just hoping that everyone could just climb a hundred like set of stairs and be that's okay. Like that. <laughs> and the tutor's like, Oh yeah, that's fine, that's fine. It's cool. <laughs> But it's so interesting, guys. It's so interesting. So there's like really um, broad like specializations that you can do. Obviously, it will depend on your university. But for Brooks, you had sustainability, urban design, advanced design, um, development, and emergency practice, research-led design, which is like the whole year is essays, and you're like, <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> I think you, it's the start of the process where you can actually find yourself of what ideally you would want to do in the future. So it's, it's really exciting. So moving on from that, like what assumptions did you have about part two that turned out completely wrong? <laughs> I know you're ready. <laughs> Guys, are you ready for this? <laughs> I have a lot of tea for this. <laughs> But I don't want to appreciate that anyone, right. but for people right. listening to this, I was very concerned that I wouldn't be prepared at all. Because unfortunately, I only had like half of year of experience in the architecture office. And it was also a small office where we've mainly done extensions and um, barely, you know, nothing really advanced, nothing really like out there that you're like, wow, like amazing. I was definitely concerned that um, because I didn't have as much experience as everyone else, I would start off behind already. Like I hadn't touched AutoCAD, I hadn't touched Rhino, even SketchUp was just like, nope. So I was scared. I was scared. And then when I was like first starting, everyone was like, yeah, I've been working for two years now in this like office and like (laughs) (laughs) no but for real for real you're like oh my god two years compared to six months like like I'm just I'm I'm not gonna make it I was just thinking I I remember calling my mom I was like mom if you don't hear from me it's because I'm trying to catch up with everyone else (laughs) but the truth is um and this is the truth. Um, no one's really designing for themselves. No one has done their own projects for two years or a year, however, however long you're uh, like in your area out. Yeah, of course, there's going to be the use of AutoCAD that they can do plans in like five minutes and then half an hour, you just started, barely started with the kitchen, something like that, you know. They, I'm not going to lie, in terms of advantages, their drawings, um, they're able to make it quicker. But the truth is, someone has been telling them what to do for one year, two years, and they haven't really gotten the opportunity to do their own projects. So everyone was really taking baby steps towards design, and they were learning how to redesign again. They were learning how to do things again. Even their portfolio, like in design, they were like, oh my God, I haven't used these programs for two years, right? So they were just really as scared as I was and everyone super understanding and in terms of 
even going into different specializations, like for example, urban design, which you've never even looked at, or like international regeneration, which is something completely new that you've never done. And you have to realize that's what's happening with other people as well. No matter, no matter if they're 40 years old, if they're 25, if you're the youngest there, and you think you're going to already start behind that's really not the case because everyone has to start from somewhere and people is just really getting used to being first of all a student again because that money is not hitting their bank account at the end of the month again so they're like uh, <laughs> they're like just getting to start trying different things new things that no one has done before and you do have the opportunity to learn and grow with everyone else so it's not like someone already is much more advanced though everyone was really taking baby steps towards design and they were learning how to redesign again they were learning how to do things again even their portfolio like in design they were like oh my god i haven't used these programs for two years right so they were just really as scared as I was and everyone super understanding and in terms of even going into different speciality specializations, like for example, urban design, which you've never even looked at or like international regeneration, which is something completely new that you've never done. And you have to realize that's what's happening with other people as well. No matter, no matter if they're 40 years old, if they're 25, if you're the youngest there and you think you're going to already start behind that's really not the case um because everyone has to start from somewhere and people is just really getting used to being first of all a student again because that money is not hitting their bank account at the end of the month again so they're like uh, <laughs> they're like just getting to start trying different things, new things that no one has done before. And you do have the opportunity to learn and grow with everyone else. So it's not like someone already, like that's not the reality. The reality is everyone is starting from the same, from the same starting line, if that makes sense. So no one will start in the middle. Everyone's just like kind of starting at the same starting line. And yes, yeah, some people will get there quicker, uh, that's just the reality of it, but it doesn't mean you won't get there as well. Um, so designing for yourself and making your own projects, it's really scary the first time that you realize you haven't done it in two years or even if you haven't done it much, much more time than that. But no, you're not going to be like behind everyone else you're not going to be in a disadvantage and I can speak that from a personal experience because I only have had half a year and I know students that didn't work at all in the year out and honestly those are the ones that tend to be the best because at the end of the day the design is still fresh in their minds they're like still curious they're like um really eager to learn and to do better and people that have worked in the office for two years they kind of tend like i'm not saying everyone but they're like comfortable in the ways of designing not to think too much outside the box so there's definitely advantages and disadvantages for having mixed experiences i talk too much <laughs> no not at all we love to hear it honestly in a sense it's like it's nice to know that with part two everyone's sort of, sort of on the same playing field really because 
I think the main, main, main point of part two is learning how to design. It's really just grasping the tools and like having just an understanding of how the industry works. But once you're in part two for two years, that's going to sort of, that, that would be handy at that time. But part two, you're more focused, more intensive on learning how to design. I think that also with, with what's happened with COVID, a lot of people were they were meant to like be at practice for a certain amount of time and it's crazy how this life works and and honestly like life goes on as well so I have so much respect for like you know people like Bethany and everyone that's like still powering through and they're like you know what like I'm going to carry on with my architectural education and nothing's going to set them back from you know obviously like their future which is great but yeah does anyone else have anything to say <laughs> I realise this is a much shorter episode than usual, but... <laughs> no, I think it's. I've learned a lot, you know, making sure that you're not looking at anyone else and everybody's, like, journey is different. It got to a point for me just knowing that, you know, I will eventually get back into architecture if I want and there's no pressure either. So, yeah, I feel like sometimes you just, you just need to sit out and um, learn from others and, yeah. That's what I did. Thank you, Lovina. <laughs> well, even when you were saying about constantly applying to London, because every, obviously everyone wants to work in London, that is lit, but you won't always get the job. And I think that's sad reality that you might face is that a lot of the firms in London, they want people with a little bit more experience so that they can build onto, they have like a reputation and they want to build onto their reputation. And I feel like maybe sometimes when you don't have that required experience, you're not able to build on the reputation as, as fast as they would want you to do it. It doesn't mean that your portfolio is bad or whatever, but maybe there's, there's firms that will be able to take time out and teach you certain things. And maybe, do you know what? Sometimes I guess that's better. Like, Delphine, I think you're really smart in applying for outside of London or just outside of London. Cause I honestly haven't even looked at that. Like, I looked, do you know what? Yeah. I looked at New York. I was like, it's either I'm staying here or I'm, le- <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Get me out of here. Get me out of here. I want to stay. Man, about the city life. Cheers. Nah, trust me. I was like, you know what? These guys won't take me. I won't take them either. <laughs> I definitely want to say that sometimes we have this ideal exact scenario in your head that oh this things needs to be done and we also inside our comfort zones um one of the reasons initially for me wanted to stay in london is because my family's there my friend my friends my friendly <laughs> my friends were there <laughs> and um I just thought like I, I'm craving that kind of comfort and I want home food, but also eventually want to move out once I, I'm like get into a company in London. And I had all these expectations in my head of how things should be. But um, sometimes we kind of just need to tell ourselves, listen, if there's something that's not working out, let's take a step forward, let's venture out, let's even move to different cities in like UK I know it's not ideal but if you're scared to do that I've had some people um that I've made part two that had that said they had amazing experiences um working outside of London when they initially lived in London and they were only able to get something outside people you know I had one of my friends was just like applying to Manchester for bands and then she actually going to the company like a huge company in Manchester and she was like really 
really happy and she was like I never imagined myself living outside of London but for a year it's fine you know for like for one year it's not really like the worst thing that can happen for you if you don't get your ideal job at first and um and then what happens is they actually end up staying for like two years and then they don't they really like oh I don't want to go back to uh, education because I'm enjoying my experiences so much and I had people with huge big companies in London, like I'm telling you the top, top ones. And they their experience wasn't really nice. And you see them moving on and you're like, oh my God, that was my ideal. I'm not saying not to aim for companies in London, obviously not discouraging anyone, but to just to say that sometimes the expectations that we have in our heads don't match with real life. And we can panic at first we, it's hard to accept, it's a hard pill to swallow, but <laughs> it's really, if it's something that it has to happen, um, every, everything eventually will work out. And um, it just because you, you don't necessarily get something you want at first doesn't mean that the rest of the year is not going to go your way, you know. But I do understand if that's a path that you don't want to um, take as well, that's completely fine. But it's just, if you're that type of person that um, you think this is something I want to do. London is not working out for me. Do not be scared to venture out like outside of London because <laughs> they're just for you outside of London. Like, believe me, they're waiting for you. <laughs> but if you guys have any questions, like, please let me know. I honestly would be more than happy to answer. Just trying to get extra followers. Yeah, already that that money ain't gonna make itself. I'm joking. <laughs> Where can they find you? Where can the listeners find you? Like, what social media? Ooh. You know, you guys did it. <laughs> uh, you know what? I need to be so good with like posting because I've seen your page. And first of all, Besma, your artwork, ugh, sickening. Your digital art, like, what is this? <laughs> so good. Um, and I'm just like, the aesthetics, everything's on point. So I'm just trying to be like you guys. <laughs> I'm trying to be like you. I'm trying to be like <laughs> trust me, trust me. Well, um, also, actually, before you even do that, my experience of first year was not ideal. Let's let's talk about my experience, my first year with COVID. If you guys got time, that was not fun. That was not fun. First of all, okay, let me be serious again. <laughs> um. So my experience, first year of master's, um, to be honest, first semester, it was okay. And then that was before the whole COVID thing. And um, we're doing theory, submitting essays. And I think um, it's, essays is not like the ideal scenario, but it will do for now. Like I know I have to learn all these things before I start designing. And then right on the middle of designing, so before we start final drawings, before we start finalizing our project, everything just locks down. Like there's huge lockdown, everyone's panicking, toilet paper is out, <laughs> no one can find pasta. And you're like, um, how am I supposed to do architecture school from my house when we used to all that studio culture? It was, it was hectic. Um, People were collecting their things quickly from the studio. I mean, it was 
no one was no one knew what was happening at the end we got an extension of only two weeks which i thought <laughs> that's unrealistic <laughs> like everything that i've done so far like is not completed i'm completely behind and i know everyone else was having the same experience as me and um that didn't really work out for me so my first submission did not go as well as i wanted to and the work that you you'll see on my page is not the work I submitted the first time around, <laughs> but it was fine because um, when I actually got serious for myself and I just thought this is not where I want to be at this point. I know COVID happened, and I, I know I have this. It's something that no one was planning, but let me actually sit down and focus on my design work. I have two extra weeks. Um, I'm just going to do the best that I can at the moment. And yes, I just resubmitted my work and it was, it went much better. And I was happy with the finished product. But what sometimes what you see online or what you see what people allow you to see, it's not really the first, the reality or how they got there the first time, you know, like it's, it takes sweat and tears and you guys know this but i just want you to know like even if first year of masters is not the ideal situation and you're feeling discouraged i'll just tell you to keep going because there's always opportunity to improve yourself and not everything goes planned as they should firsthand with education with covid now is so weird like we only have access to the studio once a week we have to do most of our lessons online i mean <laughs> all the tutorials are going to be happening and we have to wear face masks so not even that concept con eye to eye contact and different ways of designing from your house which you're not used to if you've been studying architecture for a long time so Things are weird, but I believe we'll find a new way of adapting to things. And yeah, I, I do believe it'll work out. And it'll be interesting to see this new wave of work when you're working from, working different ways than you used to. But yeah, first year was not, with this COVID thing, was not easy and it was not fun. Like, um, design when design came knocking on my door and I was not prepared <laughs> thanks for coming to my TED talk by the way <laughs> no honestly I'm so proud of you like but you, you actually just persevered through it and just did your thing like and I look onto number two like you just <laughs> No, I'm oh so proud God. of you. Like it takes, I'm sure it, like it must have taken like a lot of resilience as well. Like you used to work four years of working one way and then suddenly this thing comes and says, actually, we have to switch it up now. I was like, no, okay. But mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But you've done really, really well. And I actually think like, I actually think people studying during this time need some sort of award, you know? Yeah, honestly. Please, please. No, seriously. Please. It's so true. Uh, everything's so mad. I guess with other courses, uh, like that, you it's just most essay based, and you are able to work from home. Obviously, it's still different for everyone, but where you don't have, it's just the fact that you can't even exchange ideas with your colleagues, and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know. It's just like it's like you're running in the dark, and you like you can't see anything, and it's so scary. Um, 
I remember I was talking to my friend um, who was in his second year uh, during part two and he just like I don't know how to describe it like the studio provides something that no other environment can provide mm-hmm. and when he was doing his work like he just felt like what's the point like mm-hmm. it, 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 I think the studio provides a lot of meaning and purpose because you're around a lot of like-minded people um, you're all pretty much feeling the same type of way working on the same I guess similar projects but it's just mad like I can't believe that shit happened like I can't even like you like architecture is that one course where we need each other like we need human interaction like to bounce off ideas like you you need other people's input and support and I think that's what's beautiful about the course it's like when stuff like with this like situation that's going on um it kind of teaches you another way of like learning and persevering which is like it's a struggle but I'm so proud of everyone that's gone through it and you know like still going on and obviously things are still like really uncertain at the moment like some people don't even have their uni timetables yet (laughs) but you know we move to wrap up this super informative episode i would want all you listeners to know that there is absolutely no set route to becoming an architect and our route should actually be tailored to us and how we feel and when we feel that we're ready and not to look at other people as a way of understanding where our place should be at and comparing as as Delphine has said, is is actually like the biggest killer of progression. Obviously, there's different. Pe- there's people who haven't even like they weren't able to do their part one, and they would have to complete an exam in order to you know, obviously move on to part two. And it's like it's there's so many different people within this industry and within this journey. Um, and I know that there is there's absolutely no right or wrong way. But thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. And thank you so, so much, Delfina, for joining us. Mm. Next week, we have a very interesting episode coming up. Um, it's going to be a very exciting one. Um, stay stay up to date with our social media to find out. That's at once100podcast. Send us a DM, email us at once100podcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear all your suggestions and how we can tailor our content for you. It's a wrap! <laughs> it's a Basma, you didn't I didn't even get to do my conclusion, you know. Conclude. Lastly, I just want to remind um everyone listening to this that it's it's fine not to have your perfect year out. It's fine if you don't have the perfect first year back as well when you're just getting used to architecture. So believe me, whether you had two years of experience or zero, you'll definitely find your own path. And we're not meant to have the same experiences because life just doesn't work like that. But it's important to keep going, especially if you're the type of um, person architecture world is not used to seeing. Like we are here, we exist, and you guys are the proof of that. (laughs) See, I was actually gassing you and you never gave me a chance. Wow. (laughs) 